Are you a long-distance adult kid? Do you live an average of 450 miles away from your care recipient? I do. I live 636 miles away from mom. She's in North Carolina, and I'm in New Jersey. According to the National Council on Aging, there are approximately 7 million caregivers in the U.S. who are long-distance caregivers. That's 15% of all the caregivers. And yes, long-distance adult kids can and are caregivers. We'll discuss this topic on day 13 of the 30-day preparation plan to care for an aging parent. Hello, Rents. That's Anastasia. She's my 22-year-old daughter. My wife, Phyllis, and I think we did a pretty decent job of raising her. She goes around and calls us Rents. But you know what? I'm all right with that because one day she's going to be raising us. And just wait and see what I'm going to be calling her. My name is Zach Demopoulos. I'm your host. And welcome to the Raising Rents Podcast. Welcome to the Raising Rents Podcast. This show is sponsored by Comfort Care. It's a national home care provider that will help you live your best life possible. Day 13 of the 30-day preparation plan is the next step in preparing a plan to become a caregiver. Keep in mind, as we go throughout this process, our primary goal for family caregiving, regardless of circumstances, is to provide a loved one with comfortable, caring environment in which to grow old. Even if you're not a long-distance adult kid, it would be good to listen to this episode because you may have a sibling or a friend who is a long-distance adult kid, and you can help them out with some of the things that we talk about. The reason why it's an important topic, being a long-distance adult kid caregiver, is because it is reported that long-distance caregivers are more likely to report emotional distress, almost half of the caregivers, than those caregivers that are either residing with the care recipient, which is about 43%, or residing less than an hour away, which is 28%. I read a recent article that I felt was some pretty good stuff that I wanted to share on this episode. I have the link to it in the show notes, and it's called Helping from Far Away. It's from a blog called Today's Caregiver, and it's found on caregiver.com website. So what is causing some of this emotional distress that I mentioned earlier? Well, speaking from my own experience, I can tell you it's very frustrating to have a phone call with mom and you can tell that she doesn't sound right. Or she'll say things like, I can't believe I left the stove on the other day. Or perhaps she may have tripped and will tell you about it a week or so later. Or she'll keep saying, what, what? And you'll ask her, are you wearing your hearing aids? And she'll say, no. And she'll give you some kind of excuse why she's not wearing them. Oh, it's frustrating. Or your biggest fear is that you might start sensing some forgetfulness. And that is beyond what you get from just typical aging. I am usually pretty stressed when I get off the phone with mom and I will do everything I can to calm myself down before I call my brother who's there locally and overreact, get him aggravated, make him feel defensive or get him to be overly concerned. And let's face it, I do carry some caregiver guilt. I mean, I'm not there locally to help out and I do feel guilty about it and that causes stress too. 
And then there's the financial burden that I really don't worry about necessarily, but it can be an issue. And it was an issue when my father was ill. It's been shown that long distance caregivers spend much more than local caregivers. One figure has it estimated at almost $392 a month. And you're spending this money on things like phone calls, travel expenses, help with medicine, medical supplies, meals, and home maintenance. I don't think I'm spending anything near that. But like I said, when my father was ill, I was going down to North Carolina at least every other month. I'm sure I was spending that kind of money. And that doesn't even count for the time I was away from work. They say 80% of long-distance caregivers are employed. And about 36% of them are missing on the average of 20 hours per month to conduct caregiving duties. So essentially, you've got to be always ready to care commute. And you need to have travel options available at all times, whether it's saving up your airline points for free travel or less expensive travel, or just keeping the car in good shape. The advantage of being a long-distance caregiver is that when you do visit, you're there for a, a lengthy time, especially during the holidays or when you're going there for vacation. And when you're there for an extended period of time, man, you can find out quite a bit about what's going on with mom or dad. You really need to make the most of these visits, both in a loving and caring way, as well as in an efficient and effective manner when it comes to caregiving. While visiting mom or dad, be sure to look around. Look for things like their living situation. How safe is it? Are they getting older? Legs are getting weaker? Is the house clean or are there things piled up? Uh, What is the risk of their falling? What is their support system? What's the overall quality of life? Not just their health, but their well-being in general. Do they have a social life? Are they managing their finances? Or are you seeing signs of neglect, fraud, or abuse? Is the medication being managed properly? Are there expired drugs? Is there expired food products in the cabinets or in the refrigerator? Are they eating well? Does the car have dents in it? Are the filters for the air conditioning or heating clean or do they need replacing? Is the yard well kept? Have there been phone scammers calling? Is the mail and other things piling up? Are they sleeping a lot during the day? Is there weight gain or loss? How is their eyesight and hearing? What about the neighbors? What have they seen? Are there any visitors coming to the house? Uh, Okay, I'm probably overwhelming you. I'm sorry I was kind of brainstorming or more like brain spitting. I'm sorry about that. But here's the good news. There are things you can do to help out their situation and yours. And you don't need to do everything in one visit. Please don't do that. Mom may throw you out of the house like she threatened to do to me many times. I'm kind of half kidding, but she did get angry with me whenever I would try to bring some things up. So first of all, if you really feel like you need help and the situation has escalated and you may not be as comfortable to tackle this on your own and there really is no one else nearby, it might be wise to look into hiring a local aging life care specialist. They used to be called geriatric care managers. I actually have two full episodes on the Raising Rents podcast series that you can listen in on them and find out a lot about them. They'll tell you what they do and uh, where you can find them. Basically, they manage situations for you and they're your eyes and ears. They're experts in the area for anything that has to do with aging adults. They know how to secure various resources like home care services, doctors who make house calls, food deliveries, uh, people that will do shopping or driving. They really are excellent advocates for your parent. Another good source is the local aging agencies 
on aging, and this is in the United States. They can come out and do assessments on your loved one's situation. You can go to a website called the Elder Care Locator and find plenty of local government resources. So be sure to check that out, and I have left the link in the show notes on our website. It's always a good idea when you're visiting to exchange numbers with a neighbor or a close friend that can go by and check on mom if you need them to. So the next thing you need to do is consider an emergency response system. You know, the I've fallen and I can't get up commercials. Well, they've come a long way in technology and it is the best way your parents can get immediate help if something does happen at the home, like falling. They are relatively inexpensive, something like around 25 bucks or less a month, or you can get a fancier model that can automatically detect if someone has fallen in a home, and those run about 30 or more dollars a month. Next, you gotta have a family meeting with anyone that's local or anybody that's long distance. And of course, you gotta do this with your parent or parents. You can have people who are not living nearby join in by phone or video. I mean, with the technology today, like FaceTime on your phone, it really helps people feel like they're part of the process. And if they feel like they're involved, they'll contribute. In this meeting, you can summarize all the needs and prioritize them into a care plan. Write this care plan down, assign responsibilities, make sure mom and dad feel that they're ultimately making the decisions, even though you know that you're really influencing them. These conversations can be tough. Let's face it, your family, you care, a lot of emotions can get in the way. So sometimes it might be a good idea to have a third party person involved to help facilitate the discussion and the creation of this care plan. Some of the things that should be discussed and in this care plan should be for the current situation or of course, things that could be happening down the road. So things that you should think about are chores. Who's gonna be doing the chores both inside and outside the house? What about errands? Who's going to be doing the shopping for food and necessary items? Do they need meals delivered? Do they need someone to help them with their ADLs or activities of daily living like bathing, dressing, meal prep? Do they need help with transportation, doctor's appointments, and social activities? Do they need help with bills and finances? Do they need help with an elder law attorney? How safe is the home? Are there grab bars, non-slip carpets, proper lighting, smoke alarms, clear hallways and stairs, and handheld showers? These are the things, of course, that you should think through and put together in a care plan and get them accomplished over time. With today's technology, there's a lot you can do remotely. You can manage mom and dad's finances. If you do that, though, make sure you have the proper legal authority to do so. It's very important that you do have that, like a power of attorney. You can make doctor's appointments. You can research medical issues and treatments. You can purchase supplies and have them sent to the house. You can even do grocery shopping long distance and order meals. Perhaps you can have video cameras in place. A two-way system would even be better. That way your parents are engaging with you at the same time that you're doing safety supervision. Look into telemedicine if necessary, where vital signs can be read and transmitted to you or the doctor. I mean, how cool is that, that you can do preventative care using technology? You can also put tracking devices on someone who has dementia in case they wander outside of the house or property, and you will be alerted if they do so. Last but not least, call mom and dad every day if you can. It makes their day and it changes their mood. The emotional support you can give them is the greatest resource you have and you can easily provide it. So the emphasis of this topic today was about mom or dad being alone at home. 
It's a whole other ball game when it comes time to think about mom or dad downsizing, moving from their home, and maybe moving into a place like a retirement community or assisted living. So this was day 13. Join us for day 14 as we talk more about aging in place and what that involves. Thank you for listening to Raising Rents podcast. This was episode 22. If you have any questions or feedback, please go back to our website, www.raisingrents.com and click on the contact tab. We would love to hear from you. You can also find the show notes and references to anything we talked about. Until we talk again, remember, our parents raised us. The least we can do is help raise them. Talk to you later.